out of the clouds while the angel armies sing. He's gonna gather his people in the shadow of his wings. And I'm gonna raise my voice with the song of the redeemed. Cause all this darkness is a small and passing thing. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's the darkness. This is the storm. This is the storm. Hi, Rachel. This is Andrew Peterson, his song, The Dark Before the Dawn. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming in to the show. Glad you're there, wherever you are. I know you're somewhere. <laughs> uh, there we go. Hey, we're, we're back tonight live, and um, just want to say thank you for coming in. And tonight, people, we are going to... Look at some interesting news. Uh, we're gonna look at some interesting news. You guys know I've been doing this series on witchcraft. I've been been using my friend Billy Crone's material as a jumping off point so that I can show you kind of what's been going on, you know? Um, and I don't know about you, but we live in dark days, people. Yeah, we do. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. I don't care who you are. Uh, everybody sees it. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But, you know, what we want to do here on this show is we want to be a light. As Janet Parshall, she wrote a book many years ago called Light in the City. Um, I think I think that was the name of it. Well, anyway, so we want to be a light in the city. We want to offer you some hope through through God's word, his holy word, the Holy Word of God. I'm going to mute this. Hold on. I'm going to do that because if I don't, it's going to drive me nuts. Okay, there we go. I'm going to mute you. You've been muted. <laughs> Got power. Anyway, um, and so because of that, um, I believe that we have an opportunity as followers of Christ right now in this day and age to be the light in the city and uh, Christians must advance and not retreat. There we go. It's all coming back to the old head here. Yeah, that was that's the subtitle of Janet Parshall's book. The Light in the City, uh, Christians Must Advance and Not Retreat. And here's why. Because we win. And we got God on our side, people. It's that simple. Uh, so, you know, I'm here to offer you some hope. Not that you need it, but just in case you do. I'm here. Just call me Hope. Don't call me Hope, though, because that's not my name. My name is Stacy Lynn, um, and I'm glad to hear, be here. So first, though, I want to, um, on a personal note, um, because, because we're family and because, um, you know, I've shared my life with you pretty, pretty openly, you know, um, probably too much. <laughs> probably too much of my life I've shared with you, but that's okay. I don't mind. Um, Yesterday, I buried my dad and um, had a um, memorial service for my dad. And 
Um, I just wanted to thank you all for praying. Um, because God is good, you know, and he does good. And what I can tell you is that I have enough of you out there that kept me in prayer that um, I felt mostly peace most of the day. Um, I allowed myself, I, I just cried. I needed to cry, of course, um, which was hard. I mean, let's just be honest. Crying is not fun. You know, it sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Crying sucks. Um, but but I was able to just, you know, lean in and allow myself to grieve. Um, God blessed me with, uh, you know, six of my friends drove an hour to come be with me at this thing, you know, besides my family, um, you know, and even the VA office, you know, where, where we did this, they were like, that's a great turnout. You know, we don't know that many people that has that many friends that would have driven that far just to come for this. So to, you know, who you are and those of you who came to, to support me and Randall, um, that's why we're tight, you know, just saying, you know, so, uh, so that was, that was super sweet, super special to me. Um, and they brought flowers too. <laughs> so I got some nice flowers, um, and all that, but really the, the, um, this is the first time I put a parent down, you know, and, and, and had a service. I didn't have one with my mom, so it was completely different than this. And I tell you what, um, if you've never gone to a, a veteran's um, um, you know, service where, where they honor a veteran, um, it was just crazy. Because, I, I mean, I walked, so, so we were in a rotunda, and they had chairs all spread out, you know, six feet apart and stuff. And they had one chair in the middle with a Kleenex box next to it. That was the quote seat of honor. And so that's where I sat, which felt totally awkward. Just so you know, I didn't like it. I hate being in the front row. Don't put me there. But anyway, in this case, I had to be there. Um, so I sat in the front row and how many, there was probably what, 20 chairs in there, if that. Um, but, um, they had the table and my dad's cremation, you know, his cremains, they call them cremains. They, they were there on the table and then the Marines played taps and then, um, then the two, two young Marines, they did the flag folding ceremony. And, um, in case you didn't know, there's 13 folds in the flag and you can look up what it means, but they did that. They unfolded the flag and then they refolded it. And then the young man came to me to present it to me and I'm sitting down trying not to lose it and this young man he literally had the flag and he got down at my level and then he said what he said on behalf of the president of the United States and gave me the flag and I just you know <laughs> I mean, I've never honestly been in a position more humbling, I guess. I don't, I don't even know. I can't even explain it except to say that any parent or wife or husband who's ever 
been the recipient of that because their loved one died in service. It's just crazy. It's a crazy, surreal moment. And then Randall got up and he spoke. He gave a little eulogy. And uh, and then I thought, well, I have six friends drive an hour to get here. <laughs> I thought I should probably say something. So I got up and I started ta- saying stupid stuff like bad jokes about me and my dad. And so I'm just like, like one of the things I said was he has my face. Like, where did that come from? And I also said he would have hated this and he would have, my dad totally would have hated that service. He would have thought he was so unworthy. But anyway, all that to say, I feel, I actually do feel some closure today. I'm not feeling unhappy you know, I mean, I, I feel, I feel at peace. I feel like there's some closure. It's not over. I get that. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's that. And I know some of you want to know that. So I just thought I'd share that. And Randall, did you want to share anything about that? Cause you were there. Wow. What happened to our, uh, you continue. I'll adjust this. Randall's going to adjust his head. So I'm going to have Randall share as soon as he puts himself in camera. (laughs) If you could see this side, it'd be so funny. (laughs) Anyway, um, and then uh, we're going to, the first story I'm going to talk about is this Nashville church where the, where the pastor is saying that um, the Bible isn't the word of God. We're going to start there. And then we're going to look into a little bit of the history of uh, Babylon and the rise of witchcraft. And I'm going to tell you that there's some very interesting things that I learned um, about this. And it's weird how it ties into today. All right. You ready? Yeah. Here am I, Sen Stacy. Well. Did you just want to share something about yesterday? Yeah. Very, very moving. Um, you know, uh, golly, I don't know where to start, but just being there among each of those markers at the, uh, state veteran cemetery, there's about 15,000 there now, I guess. And there's room for about 30,000. And just to think of all those people, whether they died in service or in the case of my father-in-law, some 70 years later, um, Still, those who take that job, I mean, deserve that honor. I mean, you know, it's typical. The people I've known who've served uh, in the U.S. military, whatever branch, the way it usually goes is they sign up, they're promised of, you know, see the world and do whatever, and they say, you know, what would you like to do, son? What would you like to do, young lady? And then they give their preference, and it's like, Oh, wonderful. And then they signed some completely different thing. You know, I want to be a mechanic. Well, you're an explosive expert, you know, and I want to, whatever. You know, I want to be a paratrooper. Well, guess what? You're clearing minefields. Um, and so it's, it's often, um, I don't know, just, it's a unique job. And so anyone who's done that, because they didn't know whether or not they were putting their lives on the line. Um, anyway, I just 
the whole thing yesterday was kind of a, I guess a sort of patriotic experience in a way, or just, just, I just felt that all the 15,000 graves there were, were, were fitting. It was right. Did you cry? Um, I started to tear up when you were tearing up as you sat there, uh, in that seat of honor and the flag was being unfolded and you're crying and then I had sympathy tears. <laughs> he, he was emotional too, people. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm starting to tear up just because of that. Okay. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> that was just, just surreal, surreal. So I'm curious if any of you have ever gone through that. If you have, leave me a comment. Let me know because so I, you know, can know if you've been there. Um, all right. Now let's look at this Nashville church. Okay. I live in, I live in the Nashville area. And um, <clears throat> this is clickbait over on the Christian Compost website. Sorry, Compost. Do you buy, let me just give you a little history of the Christian Compost. Post website. The Christian Post website is a rag, okay? It is run by unbelievers, number one. Um, and it's, is it Moonies? I think it's Moonies. I forgot who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Primarily. It's Moonies. A cult runs this, this new site. Just so you know, that's why you don't really see many favorable stories about Christians on it, just so you know, okay? Um, I hate this website. And I really do. I really do hate it. I hate it. But, I'm using it today because, um, because I have to, okay? So it's titled here, Nashville Church says Bible isn't the word of God and draws ire. Well, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy that that church is drawing ire, <clears throat> but okay, let's listen to this article. It says here, a progressive read unbiblical <clears throat> Nashville Church has drawn the ire of the internet after sharing a message on social media declaring the Bible isn't the word of God, inerrant or infallible. <clears throat> Two Sundays ago, Grace Point Church, uh, led by Pastor Josh Scott, uh, shared a recap of the day's message on Facebook discussing the Bible and the question, what is progressive Christianity? Hey, I'll tell you what, progressive Christianity is unbiblical, heretical. Uh, I mean, let's just say it that way, because it's clear, um, you know, it's it's not biblical. So, <sighs> anyway, <clears throat> as progressive, okay, so every time the word progressive is in here, I'm going to say unbiblical, just so you know, I'm going to replace the word. As unbiblical Christians, we're open to the tensions and inconsistencies in the Bible. Really? Okay, we know that it can't live up to impossible modern standards. We strive to more clearly articulate what scripture is and isn't. The church noted before stating what the Bible is and isn't. (laughs) The Bible, the church said, isn't the word of God, self-interpreting, a science book, an answer rule book, inerrant or infallible. Rather, it is a, quote, product of community, a library of text, multivocal, a human response to God, living and dynamic, unquote. (laughs) 
As of Wednesday evening, the post had attracted more than 1,200 emoji reactions along with 1,800 comments. Of the 1,200 emojis, more than half were angry faces. Just over 300 were laughing emojis, while more than 100 were sad faces. Yeah, they were. Just 150 reactions, 157 reactions approved of the post. That is the good news right there, okay? When asked about the reactions to his sermon and if he felt it was a good conversation to start online, Scott, who grew up a Southern Baptist, told the Christian Post in an interview that he believes it's necessary, it's a necessary one to have. You know, my intent really was, and this is a conversation that we're having in our community, so yeah, I do think it's a good conversation, and I think it's a conversation that needs to happen within, the, within that sort of the broader Christian culture, he said. I think we definitely have a tendency to treat the Bible almost as an idol. And in doing so, we fail, I think, to see the real call, which is never for us to read something, but always for us to read it, wrestle with it, and then embody the rest of it the way we live our lives in the world. He explained, If there are any sort of conversations that are off limits in the Christian tradition, then it probably just means... We're afraid of them. We're probably afraid to engage them because we're afraid of being labeled heretics. We're afraid of people saying hateful things. In reality, these are important conversations. So yeah, I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about. In explaining his statement that the Bible can't live up to modern standards, Scott noted that the problem isn't, quote, the fault of the Bible, unquote. That's our fault. I'm not saying the Bible has some sort of flaw in it, he said. I think one of the greatest challenges that happens with the Bible is we bring expectations to it that it just isn't intended to bear and can't bear. Because if we go to the Bible and we're looking for really up-to-date information on how the cosmos works, we're not going to find it because I don't think the Bible is a book trying to tell how things change. Has he even read the Bible? I'm just curious because has he studied people like Newton and Einstein and others who use the Bible as their science book to figure stuff out. I'm just curious. I think the Bible is trying to, to, to say to us why. The Bible isn't necessarily the source of the how. The Bible is the source of why do we exist? Why is there a world? What does it mean to be a human being in the world? How do we live our lives in the best way possible? I think those are more of the questions the Bible is trying to get at. While the church has been, quote, completely shocked by the reactions to the message, Scott said he wants people to see the Bible in a fresh light. I actually want to try to help people hear the story of the Bible, hear the stories and letters and poems in a fresh way, but a way that honors where the Bible, where where that came from and the people that produced it. He noted, while arguing that while parts of the Bible can be considered the, quote, word of God, not all of it is. He pointed to Old Testament prophets like Amos and Jeremiah who would preface messages from God with, the Lord came to Amos, or the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. There is stuff in there that I think really goes against the character of God. Okay, now listen to this. There are genocides that have been divinely sanctioned in the Bible. Yeah, they have. And for good reason, if you understand the Bible. Anyway, 
People have used the text in the Bible, plain readings of the text at times to support white supremacy. Yep, they have done that. Defend slavery to defend segregation, he noted, saying the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Fallible. It absolves us of our responsibility to do what our ancestors did, which is to wrestle. <sighs> All right. So there is a small part of me that says, you know, this guy's a young twit. And I'm being nice calling him a twit because I don't call just anybody a twit. I call, you know, just young twits, twits, you know, like a twit, you know, he's just a twit, you know. Um, stirring up controversy for controversy's sake, right? But see, this church has had problems anyway, because this, this is a church that advocates for unbiblical relationships and, you know, sex and stuff like that. So that's, that's nothing new. And this isn't really shocking, because if you start throwing parts of the Bible out that you don't like, of course, you're going to go down the slippery, slippery slope of insanity, right? <clears throat> So, Randall, would you like to comment on this? I would if my camera wasn't frozen. <laughs> I know, with your face. He's like this. Um... <laughs> well, let me just comment, and then you can go on, and then I'll mess with the camera. Okay. <laughs> I'll be the disembodied voice. You know, he says that he wants to... <sighs> he says that he wants to... Oh, that hurts my stomach from laughing. Yeah. He said he wanted, you know, to real pe people to hear the story of the Bible, hear the stories and letters of poem in a fresh way, but a way that honors where that came from and the people that produced it. Well, if you talk about the people that produced it, that is Jews, Jewish authors in all 66 books, um... They will tell you that it's not a book of why, that it's not a why, it's not a book that's trying to say to us why, why there is a world, what does it mean to be a human being and how to live our lives in the best way possible. I think they're going to tell you that it's a book about the Messiah, um, whether they believe he's come or not, yet they're going to tell you that the central theme of the Bible is about um, God's work, his choosing a nation, chosen for uh, to reveal himself to and from which to bring forth the Messiah that will bring about redemption for all mankind. They're going to say that that is the central theme of the book. And if you want to do it in a way that honors look at the bible in a way that honors the people that wrote it and and what it's all about then you need to look at the central message which is messiah just saying right so there you go um everything that he says in that article is so easy to review if you know the bible Let's just look at one issue, um, and then and then I am going to get into the Babylonian thing, because I, I want to make sure I get to that. Let's look at the issue of the genocide, just for fun, okay? I hear this all the time. It drives me crazy. Well, if God's such a loving God, then why did he destroy the, the world of the flood, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 
And and it's a mocking question most of the time. People aren't like, you know, why did God destroy the world with a flood, you know, before? They, they're not like coming coming at it with like this sincere, like, really, I want to know the answer. It's like, it's always a mocking. Right. Well, if God's such a loving God. Okay. So the short answer, because I could do a whole show on this, okay, and 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 some of you may or may not agree with me on this, but I've studied this and and I've looked, I've studied this, okay, and and Randall agrees with me, so that just you know right there, it just means it's right, because <laughs> you know when Randall agrees with me, then we know it's right, because he's super smart, um, but the the whole the whole thing of genocide, right? <clears throat> um, and, and taking Noah, you know, when the Lord spoke to Noah and said, hey, build an ark because I'm going to flood the world. Um, he did it because there is wickedness all throughout the world, right? And they, and they, men were continually wicked all the time. And the Bible says that he, he, that God repented of making people basically. That's a short cliff note. But the reason why that's so important is because the DNA of humanity was completely screwed with at that point. Okay? They were mingling DNA. If you read Genesis chapter 6, it says that the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they create they ended up creating hybrids. Okay? Which created giants. And these giants were big, huge giants, like Goliath, who was like, like over nine feet tall, okay? And I, and I know that that sounds insane, but if you actually look at the Hebrew in those passages in Genesis 6, and you look at it, you, you follow the thread throughout the Old Testament, it's all there. Nobody likes to talk about it because there's this other view called the Sethite view that um, other theologians bring in and, the, and they... They give that particular view. Okay. I don't agree with that view. I agree with Dr. Fru Arnold Fruchtenbaum on what I just said. So the reason why the flood came was because, because ultimately the Messiah had to come through humanity. And with all the DNA being corrupted in humanity, except for the few that were on that ark, there would have been no way that that could have happened. So God stepped in, put an end to Satan. Because see, you got to remember, and, and maybe this is too simplistic, but <clears throat> just like Jesus came into the world in a supernatural way, okay? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and impregnated her. So we know that Jesus' father was a heavenly father, right? In the same way, Satan is going to try to counterfeit what Jesus did in the same way with the Antichrist. And it's always been the goal of the devil to, to outdo Jesus and basically get Jesus to do what he wants him to do. But Genesis 3.15, that prophecy there, Jesus is going to crush the head of a serpent, okay? And he did that when he died on the cross, now, why is this important and how does it, it, it come into today? Well, it comes into today because when you look at the Tower of Babel and you look at Babylon, 
that was a place that was rampant with witchcraft and sorcery and the occult. There's no if ands, or buts about it. It's completely biblical and, and historically true, and it's a fact, right? So, you know, God comes in, he destroys the world, you know, he floods the world except for Noah's family. Um, and then from there, we have us, right? We came, we all came through that line. And eventually the line of David and, and the Messiah came through that line. So Satan's always tried to get somebody in there to cut off the line of David, right? Who's going to sit on that eternal throne and that eternal kingdom. Um, so, and I know it sounds crazy, but honestly, if you look at science fiction, the dark side of the supernatural embraces all of this stuff. And it's about tar darn time that the Christian side of the supernatural looks at this stuff and goes, you know what? Hey, this is the playbook. You know, Jesus wasn't just a mere man. He was man, fully man, but he was also fully God. <laughs> and and our little pea brains can't even like even begin to compre comprehend this. But if you look at the word of God and you look at what Jesus did, you know, it's crazy. And then if you look in the Old Testament in particular, and you look at all the things that the Holy God of Israel told Moses to do, you know, hey, just as an example, take your rod and throw it down. It will become a serpent. Okay. Well, why did he do that? Because that's what the cultists and spiritists of that day were doing. They were doing the exact same thing, except they were doing it by Satan's power. You know, so the, so the Bible is really, it's, it's like, um, you know, my friend L.A. Marzulli, he actually, um, calls it the guidebook to the supernatural and he calls it the cosmic chess match, you know, cause you got God. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, you got Satan doing this, you know, but we know who wins. God does. God wins. Um, and all that. So let's, let's look at, um, just a little bit of, um, a little bit of history. Okay. So the flood happened about 2400 BC. Babylon happened when the Tower of Babel and all that happened about 2200 BC and the book of Deuteronomy um, where the scripture I'm going to read right now comes from uh, happened about 1400 BC okay so basically 1000 years after the flood um, we have written what happened to Deuteronomy and 200 years after the flood the whole world again was all involved in witchcraft type things and the cult. So in Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse nine, I'm reading in the new American standard version here. This is what it says. It says, um, when you enter the land, which the Lord, your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before 
the Lord your God. Okay. So three times we see the word detestable. Okay. So let's look at it again. So number one, they were told, the nations were told that they should not imitate the detestable things in those nations. Okay. Now God's telling his people this. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. You know, um, he calls these practices, the list that I just gave you again, let's look at it. Okay. Let's, let's be critical thinkers here. Let's see. Anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, you know, anybody that does that today? I do. Uh, one who practices witchcraft, you know, anybody who does that today? Yeah, I do. Um, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Uh-huh. Uh, one who casts a spell. Yep. A medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. Okay. Whoever does this is called detestable. Okay. And, and what does that basically mean? It means that it's disgusting before God and it's an abomination. Right. So now a lot of us, we've heard the word abomination in reference to something called homosexuality. Right. But this stuff is also an abomination. Now, what's interesting to me is that um, America is just over 200 years old. And I believe America, our roots are Christian. We had good godly people come here and found this country. I believe America was founded by Christians. Um, and, um, and I believe that God had established America to br- basically again the, bring the gospel to the world. Um, I think America now is by and largely apostate. And we are so entrenched in, in witchcraft. It's, it's, it's not even funny how badly we are. In fact, I don't even know if you guys are aware of this, but there is actually a whole movement of Christian witches out there. In fact, um, there's a website. Let's see here if I can, I can just tell you the um, thing, but there's actually a website, 120 prayers to defeat the activities of Christian witches. And um, there's a website titled um it's movement.org and it's titled student christian movement reflections from a christian witch right it says here i'm a christian and i'm a witch you could call me a christo pagan or maybe christo pagan i don't know how they say that or a christian wiccan which is witch that's what that means Although I don't pretend to be an expert on any of those things. All I know is I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research. And in terms of faith, that's what feels right for me right now. I can't really think or talk about my faith identity without connecting it wholly to my queer identity. And that's one of the things we talked about earlier in a couple of other shows was how the homosexual issue and feminism is like totally wrapped into this whole witchcraft thing. For better or worse, they've both been such deep-rooted elements in my life. I was raised in Church of Scotland, then moved to the United Reformed Church. When we moved to England, then I was a kid, everything was fine. Really, with my faith identity, when I was growing up, it was something we did, not devoutly, but it was always part of my life. And our extended circle of family friends, it was home, and I was happy. Anyway, I'm... <laughs> and then she says... 
That was until I left home for university and I started at CU. I won't go into too many details here, but I was mentally ill, a closeted queer, and stuck in an environment of toxic evangelicalism. Or evangel, yeah, even. To cut a long story short, I needed to take a step back, a step back from the faith I'd been brought up with, a step back from Christianity and from Christians in general. My partner's work with interfaith groups is partly what brought me back. I started to meet those who were people of faith and queer, and gradually my heart began to open up to ideas of church again. Shortly before this, I had sparked an interest in the medicinal, med medicinal, properties of plants and began to realize I had a lot of beliefs that were technically pagan and Wiccan. I was kind of wary of the ideas of being a witch right up until I had friends who considered themselves witches. I had shied away because I thought it didn't work with my own faith structure. Despite drifting away from Christianity, God was still very much there and it was dangerous and consorting with the devil. It's not. My branch of it isn't. And funnily enough, appreciating nature and Mother Earth through practicing witchcraft craft brought me back to my church roots at the same time that I was beginning to reconcile my queer identity with that of my Christian upbringing. I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's just like, it's too long. But the point is, is that there are people out there who are very deceived like her and, um, and all that. And you know... The problem is, is that this is condemned by scripture and the death penalty is the consequence of this. If you look at Exodus twenty-two eighteen 18 and Leviticus twenty twenty-seven, that's, I mean, that the death penalty is, is what it recommends. Okay. So also, uh, the word sorcery, and this is something that I'm going to have to do a lot. I'm going to have to definitely do a show on this at some point in more in depth. But um, the word sorcery is translated from the Greek word pharmakia, which is where we get our word pharmacy. Okay. And part of being involved in witchcraft and stuff like that is often people use mind altering drugs. All right. You know, to help them get into a higher plane of consciousness or, um, you know, stuff like that. And yet I have to say, and some of you are not going to like this. And I apologize in advance. If this steps on your toes, I will say what Janet Parshall used to say. If I step on your toes right now, I'll do it in the most ladylike fashion I can, because you're not going to like what I'm going to say. I guarantee some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it because I know it's a truth what I'm going to say. And I was there and I'm not there now. And, um, I'm just going to say it. I would put the whole class of psychotropic medication under that category. Okay. I would put your antidepressants, your antipsychotic, your anti-anxiety, your whatever your psychiatrist or medical doctor who doesn't care about you decides to put you on because you're not feeling so hot under the pharmacia thing because it is sold to you as the mind altering drug. And I'll tell you what, here's what I know for a fact. 
All right. And, and I know some of you guys might not believe this or care, but here's what I know. What I know is that antipsychotics, anti-anxieties, antidepressant medication does not work. A lot of people are suckered into the belief that it does work, but it doesn't work. And if you look at the history of this, and I've read numerous books about this, by the way, if you look at the history of these medications, one of the things that you'll discover is that they were initially given to people on a quote, temporary basis, unquote. They were always, they were, they, they were introduced into our society as a means for a temporary relief and no one was ever actually ever intended on being on these things for their whole life. In fact, the United States military, just a couple of decades ago, if they found out that anybody was on this stuff, they were disqualified from serving in the military. Today, it's almost a requirement that you be on it if you go into the military. I've talked to enough people about this and... What I can tell you is that, um, is that, you know, let, let's look at the lie of antidepressants, okay? <clears throat> the lie that they tell you when they put you on an antidepressant is that um, the serotonin in your brain, it's just, it's going to help that out. It's going to help you not be depressed. Well, here's the truth. Serotonin is actually produced in your gut, in your, you know, your stomach. And that's why these are called SSRIs. So it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It takes the serotonin from your gut and puts it into your brain. Okay. Messes with you. That is actually, the medicine itself is actually what creates your chemical imbalance. It's, it's not you being depressed. And I'm going to tell you something. I was on these medications personally for about 15 years. They tell you they're not addictive. They're lying to you. They are completely addictive. Um, some of them are more addictive than others, but those antidepressants you're on, completely addictive. If you're feeling a flat affect, you can't feel your emotions. You're sad all the time. You're wondering, why am I on this? Because I haven't gotten any better. It's because it's designed not to make you better. Okay, and it took me a long time to get off them because they're addictive. And every time I tried to go off, the side effects from getting off them were so bad, I just decided I'm going to stay on it. You know, it was probably close to 12 years ago now. I, I just said, forget it. I'm just going cold turkey. And I, I got off it. And I've had to deal with my emotions as they came. A couple of years ago in February, I had four friends of mine die in one month. I was a little overwhelmed because four friends of mine died, <laughs> you know, and I remember I had to go to the doctor for my annual checkup so that they could give me, you know, a refill on my thyroid medicine at the time, which I took, which I don't now because I'm off that too. But I, so I, I go, I'm driving to down to the appointment and I'm thinking about all my friends and I start crying. And by the time I get to my appointment, I'm just like, it was clear I'd been crying. And my doctor's like, so, um, what's been going on? I said, well, I had four friends die this month. I'm just feeling a little bummed out, you know. Oh, let's see. How about I give you an antidepressant to help you get through that? I said, hell no. I don't think so. 
I almost literally walked out of the office at that point. I was so annoyed. I was so irritated. I said, no, thank you. I don't need it. And, you know, and, and, oh, okay. You sure? I'm like, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, and there, there might be a little initial help because you're numbing me out and stuff, but ultimately that stuff is of the devil. And I, and I mean that in the literal sense of the word completely. And I know some of you ain't going to like to hear that, but that's my opinion. And what I can also tell you is that Christian, um, is it Christian scientists? Is that right? No, Scientology, the Church of Scientology. Okay, now I'm not into the Church of Scientology, but uh, one thing I can tell you is the Church of Scientology is totally anti-psychotic, anti-antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. And here's the other thing I can tell you is that there are complete alternatives to all of these things naturally if you struggle with this stuff. So here's the thing. For example, magnesium. Did you know that magnesium is a mineral and it is a natural relaxant? So if you're anxious, it could be that you're low on magnesium, number one, because most people are. And um, if you can't sleep at night, it could be that you could just use some magnesium, extra magnesium to help you relax because it, it helps you relax your muscles and all that. You know what the number one cure for depression is? And this has been proven. The number one cure for depression is going for a walk. Now, here's the thing, though. When you're on an antidepressant medication, you're like, I'm really tired. I don't want to go for a walk. Why? Because that medication is making you tired. And that's a side effect of it. So you're too lazy because you don't want to get up and go for a walk. You know, and what's, what's interesting to me is, I, you know, I've been on Facebook for, what, 10 or 11 years or something. And what I can tell you is that I can read back through when I was on those meds. I look at those, the, you know, how they let you see your memories, which I wish I could forget. Well, I look through that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was crazy back then because I was on that stuff. And anyway, long story short, um, it's amazing to me that, that, you know, nobody told me just go for a walk. And the second thing that helps you with your depression, aside from getting off your butt and going for a walk, is, hey, why don't you help somebody? Get yourself out of your head and look outward and you'll go help somebody. And lo and behold, it's like a miracle. Stuff happens and you begin to stop being so depressed because, well, Stacey Lynn, you don't understand. I'm manic depressive. I'm bipolar, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Let me tell you something. I got a master's in the field, number one. But did you know that there's research out there that shows in third world countries where these drugs aren't actually available, that people who exhibit these symptoms, they go into community, they take time to rest, they get some time off, they actually get to talk through their problems and connect with people. And lo and behold, they're bipolar and manic mania or whatever, it's gone. The instances are almost zero in these countries where this medication isn't existed. And the one last thing I will tell you is that attention deficit disorder or ADD or whatever you want to call it is actually a made up term. And in the olden days when I was a child, that used to be called, you know, 
dealt with by children getting off their butt and going out and playing on their bike or having some exercise, whereas children today sit in, sit in front of their computer on their phone and they're constantly being stimulated in their brain. They don't have that, so it makes them the way that they are. It really has nothing to do with reality when people are, oh, I'm this, I'm that, and that. No, <laughs> you've been brainwashed. And it's all because of the pharmacia and the prevalent witchcraft in our society. And I hate to say that because, I, like I said, I know it's going to tick some of you off, but I'm telling you the truth. And I've got books I can recommend to you that I've read. I've gone through my own personal experience, and I know a number of other people too and, um, and all that. So, and here's the thing. The, the thing with, with the mind-controlling drugs is that People will look at that and they'll say, oh, well, you know, you only mean marijuana and things like that. No, I mean the psychotropic meds on top of that, right? Because when you're not dealing with reality, you're dealing with all this other stuff. And I will tell you something interesting that happened in our, in our country not too long ago. You remember when Katrina took place, the flood, the big flooding? You know what the number one medication people wanted they were, they were dying for when they couldn't get it. It was their psychotropic meds. Now you medicate America, which is what we've done. We're the most medicated country in the world. That's proven. You medicate us and then you take away our medication. What do you think is going to happen to the population in this country? You're going to see a whole lot of weird stuff going on. Satan ain't dumb guys. He's not dumb. He's very clever. So there's that. Um, so I will tell you that <clears throat> that we sh I could probably do another show on this whole thing. But um, so here's here's one of the other things. I know Randall, did you look up the things about vampires and stuff that you wanted to? <laughs> You're frozen. I know. Yeah. Um. He's frozen like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, yes, I did. And I was hoping that. Did it come back? Do we uh, back for a yeah, moment? Okay. Yeah, you're back. It's a miracle. Don't know what's going okay. <laughs> Anyway, we, we haven't really gotten too much into the Babylonian beginnings. Of witchcraft. Well, it is it is tied into all of that, though. I know it is, but uh, anyway. Well, this never goes how I plan it. Save mine for later, but but given you several well, minutes ago when you talked about you know twenty two twenty four hundred BC the flood and twenty hundred twenty two hundred BC the uh, Tower of Babel, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it cracks me up. I don't know if it should or it shouldn't, but. You know, we've got the progressive Christians. Well, maybe, you know, the Bible isn't the word of God. And then we've got the non-believers saying, well, if you believe the Bible, this this ancient book of fairy tales, you know, written back in 1400 B.C., you know, mankind still believe the moon was made out of cheese, and you're believing this stuff in there? You know, if you, if you believe, like, it's some sort of, like, truth, What's in the Bible? You're some sort of, you know, backwoods bumpkin 
that that you're deserving of ridicule if you know if you take the Bible seriously. Come on, it's just it's an ancient book of fairy tales and you know just fables and stuff, moral stories and stuff like that. And if and if anything was serious about it, it's because they didn't know any of it. They were stupid people back three thousand years ago. You know, 3,500 years ago. Come on, what's wrong with you people? Believe in it. Yet, we'll have these same folks, something that predates the Bible, you know, 2200 BC, where we see the beginnings of all these things that are modern, supposedly, you know, witchcraft and witches and warlocks, werewolves, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Going back there and... You know, that's completely legit and something to think about. And just a couple things for y'all. And Yeah. Um, let's see. Does this have my mug on it? Yeah, I guess it doesn't do that. Anyway, um, just real quick. want to share some things with you. Check this out. Okay. Article uh, from MSN. It was almost a year ago, June, but... 15 Supernatural shows to watch after The Order. And I never watched any of these shows, but this this show, The Order, that got canceled. Anyway, and it suggests 15 others you can watch that are full of stuff. It's like, you're okay, but that's just, that's just entertainment, right? Nobody takes this stuff seriously. They would never make paranormal TV shows and documentaries that are presented as fact. The Amish haunting when ghosts attack, my haunted house, monsters and mysteries in America, the haunting of, cursed... Etc. Yeah, you know, there's nobody that takes it seriously, like the five devilish documentaries about Satan, watch witchcraft, or that's whoops, that's Deuteronomy. That's Christian witches. Where's the other one? I had another site. I don't know. Um, don't ask me how to run the show. Anyway, there was okay. another site I had. That's something about. Um, it was uh, ten fascinating cult documentaries you can watch right now. And. And this this stuff is main place, and yet it's older than the Bible. Right. And it's taken seriously. You're froze. Am I? Yeah, I am. Oh, well. He's a frozen chosen. Yeah, he is. Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ventriloquist. I can <laughs> talk without moving my legs. <laughs> anyway, it's just... It's just it's just frustrating to me and humors me at the same time that people will say that you're stupid to believe in the Bible because it's an old book. These things are, you know, 3,500 years old when people didn't know, you know, squat about science. And you're believing this? You're staking your eternal life on it? Um, but right. then stuff that's, you know, older than that, 800 years older than that, you know, then this is something to be considered. In fact, to modify my Christian life, I can be a Christian witch and stuff like that. Did you Did you get the video? What video? Oh, the Vimeo video that I was. We're gonna look at that. I was going to, but you didn't. Uh... I didn't send you the timestamp, huh? No, you did not. I could tell it to you. Um, if you want. You'd or... like me to. Okay. I can. So okay, so while Randall's hooking this up, okay, so there's actually two places one at the 26 minute mark and let's see where did i put the other one um okay 
and then at the 54 minute mark. So we'll just do the 26 minute mark first. Okay, so here is um, some of the stuff that they've discovered that started in Babylon. Okay, so they found tons of Babylonian tablets with witchcraft on those tablets. It's actually language that they've discovered on all of this stuff. Like they found uh, ceramic incantation bowls, which is basically a ceramic bowl that they put water in it because of the whole reflection thing. Uh, that's why mirrors and all that are very prevalent within the cult. Um, <clears throat> they had professional magicians, people who specialized in divinations. They had demigods. And that's what we're going to look at here. Um, um, well, no, man part, man god. Um, and they used a lot of type figurines, okay? Now, this is, and this is not meant to be an attack on my Catholic friends, okay? Because I know there are many born-again Catholics out there, but there's also, unfortunately, um, some type of behavior in the Catholic Church where they have rich rituals with, um, with, um, with idols, you know, um, in fact, you guys can go to a website. Did I write that down? Yeah. So there's a website called the Catholic Company. You can go there. I think it's the thecatholiccompany.com. Um, but anyway, you, you can go there and you can look at all the stuff that they sell, including these books that talk about all the different saints. How many of you have ever heard somebody who said, hey, you know, I have a, why don't you pray to St. Joseph? He is the guardian saint of whatever, you know. They have a whole list of these, and they sell these little uh, figurines, for lack of a better word. And people use them as their good luck charms, and they pray to them and stuff. And um, this clip that I'm going to show you, that, doc, that Billy Crone, in his series, World Religions, Cults, and the Cult, Witchcraft and the Rise of Wicca, uh, actually talks about this here um, just for a minute or so um, he plays this clip about this you're gonna see this um, and uh, it's just not biblical okay so yeah you gotta go to the 20 about a 26 minute mark is that episode three um, um. Part three? Yeah, it has to be part three. All right. He's got the wrong one. See, this is what we do, people. We do this for you. Yeah, we do. So while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and read Angie's comments. She write, she says over on YouTube, good information due to my medical disorder. I don't make endocrine hormone hormones. I struggle with light depression. I find renewing my mind in the word and prayer is the only thing that helps. I refuse to take any anti-anxiety or anti-depression meds. Also, exercise and walking is great. You just mentioned that, ha. Huh? Getting out in nature is such a way to reset my mind. Uh, helping others gets our mind off ourselves. Our perspective of our problems actually becomes smaller due to the fact that we see other struggle greater than our own. Yeah, and we're helping one another. And, and you, yeah, so thank, thank you for sharing that. I don't know if there's any other comments over here. Yeah, this show is on YouTube. Um, it's over on um, Bible News. It's youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio over on YouTube. You can go over there. We're also on Twitch. Same thing, Bible News Radio. Okay. Um, 
We're probably, Randall, is it okay we just do another half hour? Yeah. Okay. Okay, or, or even another hour if you like. Okay, so 26 minutes approximately into this. Um, so let's look, let's look at this short clip here about this, and then um, and then I'll t- we'll play another clip after this. By today, heavy duty Catholicism is exactly what that sounds like. I'm not going to revisit our whole study, but if you recall, in our 12 week study on Catholicism, they are huge on figurines dead people saints they got a saint for everything oh that they don't really believe that today really let me give you a quick example they're still selling figurines of saints and what i found interesting this one is what you bury it under the floor well if you get a certain saint and you bury it in your front yard you'll sell your house watch this hi there i'm susan with the catholic company and this is the saint joseph home sale kit this saint joseph home sale kit includes a plastic saint joseph figure a prayer to saint joseph the Way of St. Joseph, and an introduction to St. Joseph home sale practice. There are many myths about where and how to bury St. Joseph, but none of that is of importance. What is important is that St. Joseph has long been called upon to help us with our many good petitions, including selling a home. If you are trying to sell your home, we believe the St. Joseph home sale kit provides a great opportunity for one to become more familiar with the role of St. Joseph. Still going on today for 1995. That's right. Uh, but guess what? It's nothing new under the sun because the Babylonians did the same thing with witchcraft. Very, very interesting. Now, I don't have time to go through it, but if, if you guys uh, d- don't believe me on, on that, let me give you just a, a, a refresher on some of the saints and what today, still today, this is their list, not mine. And, and I'm just going to blow through them. So if I'm speaking so fast, I'm not speaking in tongues. Okay, I'm just blown through this. Don't accuse me of that. Uh, but St. Adrian, this is from them. St. Adrian, and you know, if you get a figurine, have it in your house, bury it, do whatever. Have, oh, if you got a priest that comes by and blesses it, woo, superpower, right? And again, this is all current stuff they still do today, right? St. Adrian will help you if you're a butcher, a guard, a soldier, or an arms dealer. I'm not making that up. St. Agatha for bakers, bell making, or nurses. St. Alexander for charcoal burners. St. Amon for bartenders, brewers, innkeepers, merchants, and vine growers. St. Ambrose handles beekeepers, beggars, candle makers, wax smelters, and refiners. St. Anastasia deals with weavers, healers, martyrs, and exorcists. St. Andrew, fisherman, of course. Doesn't that make sense? Right? Uh, and St. Anne is for miners, mothers, equestrians, cabinet makers, homemakers, stablemen, and I'm not making this up, French Canadian voyagers. So if you're in some other country, you're out of luck. You've got to be in Canada. St. Anthony is if you misplaced an item, lost a person, or a woman seeking a husband. St. Antipas and St. Apollyana are both for dentists. St. Barbara for military engineers, firemen, Italian marines, fireworks makers, and I am not making this up, quote, servicemen of the Russian strategic rocket forces. Nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> what a racket! This is crazy. Saint Bar- Bartholomew is handy for tanners, trappers, and curiers, and even one. Pay attention, Vegas. Unemployed gamblers. <laughs> Saint Cajetan, C A J E T A N. I'm not making that up either. Saint Edwards for kings. Saint Elgis for metalworkers, jewelers, mechanics, taxi drivers. Pyrotechnicians have their own Saint Erasmus. And, and just in case you happen to be a Teutonic knight, you can look at Saint George. Okay. Oh, and that's just occupations. 
Same thing. You want protection, you want healing, all that stuff? They got a saint for that too, 1995, right? Uh, you can. Uh, if you're a sterile woman, if you're blind, lame, if you ran into a poisonous reptile, you suffer from colic, breast cancer, or headache, you need to contact St. Agathis. And of course, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying do that. I'm using sarcasm and humor to make a point. It's unfortunate. St. Agrippina uh, is spread pr- pretty thin because apparently uh, that saint handles uh, spirit, uh, evil spirits, leprosy, thunderstorms, bacterial diseases. And more. So, <clears throat> and, and I guarantee you that if you talk to enough people, you'll find somebody who's doing that, okay? Um, okay. So one of the other things that, um, that we, we looked at or, or, you know, that's prevalent today in the world of witchcraft is, um, people who are involved in the cult, they, they're involved with demons. They believe in vampires, spirits, ghosts, wizards, seers, um, and so much more. Um, okay. Now let's talk a little bit about zombies. Okay. Cause Zombies come from Babylon as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, how many of you have ever heard of the zombie apocalypse? You know, everybody kind of makes jokes about that. But the roots come from Babylon. And uh, what I can tell you is that um, I, I pulled this article because I thought, you know, I just got to pull this up. Um, it's And this is from yesterday. Okay. It's titled this, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, wants you to prepare for a zombie apocalypse. Yes, you read that right, okay? Um, and and you'll understand why this is partially funny right now, but, but also partially not funny. It says here, if zombies were to start roaming the streets, yes, we said zombies, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention wants you to be prepared. In the midst of providing guidelines on an unprecedented pandemic, the Center for Disease Control updated its tips to prepare for another extreme occurrence, a zombie apocalypse. While the CDC says it began as a tongue-in-cheek campaign, it actually is a practical guide for any emergency like hurricanes, earthquakes, or floods. You may laugh now, but when it happens, you'll be happy you read this, the CDC wrote on its website. And hey, maybe you'll even learn a thing or two about how to prepare for a real emergency. So what would happen if zombies were to start roaming the streets? The CDC says it would conduct an investigation, as it would for any disease outbreak, and provide assistance to states until it could determine the cause of the outbreak and how it could be treated and stopped. The CDC listed guidelines to follow to be, quote, safe, then sorry. I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of that. If you want to read the rest of this, you can. But the reality is, is that is happening. Um, and they're making light of it. And this is a big part of what the devil does. The devil comes to kill, steal, destroy. He also mocks. He also disguises himself as an angel of light. And so one way they make fun of stuff is by, by making light of it, right? So there are other things too, um, like the resurgence of Harry Potter. Okay, now look, I'm, I don't watch stuff like that. When Harry Potter came out way in the beginning, like... A long time ago, I, you know, I didn't jump on the bandwagon and go, hey, Harry Potter's of the devil, it's witchcraft, blah, 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 blah. I clearly knew that, 
but but I didn't I wasn't one of these ones like hammering it saying yeah you shouldn't read it or you're gonna go to hell that type thing but what I can tell you is that um is that it is witchcraft and anybody who looks at it if you have eyes to see you can see that it's witchcraft so they're actually bringing back Harry Potter and they're going to make that like they're going to do some other stuff. But over on gaytimes.co.uk, there's an article titled, titled, titled Queering Hogwarts, How LGBTQ Plus TikTok Creators Are Reclaiming Harry Potter Online. TikTok creators weigh in on the infamous Harry Potter debate and tell us why queer representation online matters. Again, it's... It, it goes back. We got the feminism. We got the, the LGBT thing all tied into witchcraft. Even we just saw that with the Christian witch, right? <sighs> so, <clears throat> for example, Harry Potter uses um, language. And this is, that, this is the video at the 54-minute mark, Randall. So one of the things that witchcraft does is they they talk about words they give words certain power ever heard of the word of faith movement where that you can speak stuff into existence no that's basically the root of that is witchcraft and i know some of you aren't going to like that either the origin of the word abracadabra is actually an occult word it's a magic word gnostics used it to fight against disease etc so you ever wonder where that comes from abracadabra well guess what jk jk rowling actually twisted that a little bit and in her books on harry potter wrote avida avida uh, cabra or whatever <laughs> which which was used as a spell and a killing curse um and so we're gonna look at that we're gonna look at how and i'm gonna try my best to read this as much as i can because some of this is going to be text and our audio people aren't going to be able to see it but those of you who are watching you'll be able to see the text on the screen so this is a clip about harry potter the origin of what jk rowling did and how this is influencing children into actually wanting to be witches and warlocks and wizards So she just switched a couple letters. Okay. But that's the Aramaic of abracadabra, that's what the occult word. In fact, she even admitted it, J.K. Rowling, and she said it was drawn from an inspiration from this spell, the killing curse, from the Aramaic version of it. Okay? But again, as we all know, it's just innocent stuff. It just helps kids read, and kids will never want to become a witch if they get exposed to that. Real quick, watch this. J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, admitted that she got many, many requests for children that wanted to attend Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And we know from books that are out there and interviews with children that they really wonder at night while they're laying awake if there is a Hogwarts that they can go to. If you go to the Warner Brothers site, they ask you to enlist into Hogwarts. Well, there are sites out there that are pulling in your children who are interested in learning more in various different schools of witchcraft and wizardry.
want to go to wizard school and learn magic, I'd like to learn to use a wand to cast spells. Dylan, age 10. If I could go to wizard school, I might be able to do spells and potions and fly a broomstick. Mara, age 12. It would be great to be a wizard because you could control situations and things like teachers. Jeffrey, age 11. I'd like to learn to go to wizard school, learn magic, and put spells on people. I'd make up an ugly spell and then it's payback time. Catherine, age 9. I feel like I'm inside Harry's world. If I went to wizard school, I'd study everything. Spells, counterspells, and defense against the dark arts. Carolyn, age 10. I liked it when the bad guys killed the unicorn and Voldemort drank its blood. Julie, age 13. The books are very clever. I couldn't put them down. When I was scared, I made myself believe it was supposed to be funny, so I wasn't too scared. Nuria, age 11. Very clever is right. Yeah. Uh, so that was seven testimonies there from children. Um, so kids aren't stupid. They're, they're easily led astray, but they're not stupid. They'll say stuff that... that um, that adults are too too afraid to say um you know it's interesting too because not only does the gay times bring this up but there's also uh an article over on bleedingcool.com which this was published today march 6th and it's titled harry potter wizards unite celebrates international women's day uh Nine tick or something was delayed, has delayed the March 2021 scheduled events in Harry Potter Wizards Unite in order to work on a software update. However, there have been some, as they put it, lightweight events designed to take up time until they can officially announce the mar ma the major March events, which may expect, which many expect. I need my glasses. <laughs> will include a two will will include a two part brilliant day to add. Versary events, and a community day as usual, um, blah, blah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, so this is, this is all about promoting um, International Wizards Day, or International Women's Day, I mean. And and again, it's, it's tied all into this. And so, this is everywhere. That's my point. So, how, how then, if we know... Um, that this stuff is going on, right? We know that, you know, there's potions out there. There's spells out there that they do. And the media has this all over the place. I mean, you don't have to go very far to, to see it. And yet, what is it about the church, by and large, that isn't seeing how detestable it is to the Lord? Right? I mean, it's detestable. It's an abomination. And yet, instead, what's happening is the church is involved in this stuff. Hey, how many of you have read Harry Potter? I haven't, because I don't care about Harry Potter. I'm not interested, but I bet you some of you have. Oh, I did it for research. I actually have a, have a, um, I know a woman, um, Many years ago, we were in a Bible study, and this woman was considered a leader in the church, and she was an author, 
and her children, she was given her kids the Harry Potter books to read. And I remember her saying so bluntly to me, oh, it's not really of the devil. Who really cares? It's just good writing. I'm an author. I, you know, and, and I, just, I remember thinking, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Did you not read the Bible? And, and, and that is the problem. That is the problem. The problem is believers are not reading the Bible because we don't have time to read the Bible, right? I mean, because we got to watch whatever on TV or read the stuff out there that's so great. It, it, it's, so, it's so frustrating to me because the dark side of the supernatural, there's nothing good. What I'm can you explain to me anybody anybody out there write me an email send me a video I don't care please explain to me why you as a believer like to engage in watching dark stuff like murder and witchcraft and mayhem and and all this stuff that is like an abomination to God what is it I mean, seriously, what is it about it that you're like, I can't not do it? <laughs> I'm just curious. I just, I just want to know because I've never had a desire whatsoever. I, I don't like horror movies. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sensitive spirit, so I don't like, I don't like scary stuff. I don't want to intentionally be scared, and I don't want to like get suckered into you know stuff like this. I, I, I'll tell you a story. Okay, I'll, I, I will say this. Many years ago, I watched the show General Hospital, okay? It was during the heyday in the 80s. Luke and Laura were the big thing, and it was one of the few things my mother and me, you know, um, did together where we weren't fighting. So, so you know, General Hospital was my fleshly, you know, enticing thing. And what I, what I can say is that many years later, there was a spinoff general hospital called Port Charles. They took some of their um, lead characters, they spun it off into a half hour soap opera. <laughs> and I watched it because some of my favorite stars were on that. And I was like, oh, I want to see what Lucy does with Kevin. You know what I'm trying those of you who watch the show, you understand what I'm talking about. Anyway, the, um, the, uh, so, so anyway, as I'm watching this, all of a sudden they throw in this vampire story. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I'm just like, what the heck? And so then all of a sudden, they're having these main characters that used to be normal deal with these vampires and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, I don't get this, you know? And it was probably about the same time as the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which, again, I never watched, but I know some of you did. And I'm like, why? Why were you watching that stuff? I just don't understand. I mean, is the Bible that boring to you that you watch this stuff? I just, I don't understand. Um, and yet, it's very prevalent because the devil makes what he does look so great. And he gets people all suckered into it. And people go ahead and they they want to get the power. And that's what it's ultimately about. It's about trying to have supernatural power so that you don't have to submit to God and deal with the fact that he's got the ultimate power. 
in our flesh, we don't want to bow before Jesus. Okay. Oh, let's just admit it. None of us wants to like be told what to do by God. <laughs> right. I mean, rah, you know, we shall be like God, you know what I mean? And that's what all this stuff is. It's just basically flipping God off saying, Hey, I don't, I need, I don't need to listen to you, blah, blah. But when you encounter the one true living God and you encounter Jesus Christ and he does stuff and he changes your life, then there is a glad humility and brokenness that you want to worship Jesus. And, you know, what I'm telling you is that, that there is opportunity to run to Jesus if you're involved in this other stuff and you're not finding the fulfillment that you thought you would get, honestly. You know, Jesus loves you. He forgave you for your sin. If you ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you. And just ask you to turn away from that. Make a U-turn and go the other way. Run to Jesus and get free. Right? And then follow him and you'll get all this amazing stuff. You won't be dealing with demonic spirits anymore. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason it's called the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is holy. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what you want. This is what you're searching for. You're searching for that. You know, Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. You know? <laughs> my dog's, like, driving my husband crazy right now. You just go over there, mister. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, hold on. Hold on for a puppy break. Come here, baby. Do you want to come up here? All right, mister. All right. Uh, he's super neat. He's a needy dog. But anyway, so anyway, so the point is that that I, I want you to consider if you're involved in some of this stuff, just entertaining the unfruitful deeds of darkness, please repent and go and turn, turn around and, and, and receive Jesus and come to him. Because you're going to find life in that more abundantly. You're going to have peace, joy. You're going to you're going to have his power and you're going to realize that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Your life will change for all eternity and it'll be super awesome. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and, and, um, Angie, the, uh, Billy Crone, um, was the name of the pastor, Billy C R O N E. Uh, he's actually a pastor. He lives in Nevada. His church is in Nevada. Um, he's great. You can Google him on YouTube. You'll find all his stuff. Um, <clears throat> the series that I'm playing is, I actually bought it. So, I mean, you can buy it. You can probably find it online. I just decided to buy it. I think it was like $19. And there's like 20 hours of information about this. So, it's pretty cheap. You can get it and all that. But a lot of, I'm not sharing a lot of what's in it. Because I'm only sharing bits and pieces and kind of tying it into current events of the day. Um <clears throat> So, yeah. Did you want me to have that? What? Which? The thing you just sent me. The Christian witches thing. Uh, just for whatever. Okay. For... <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad, but uh, it's. 
I mean, if you want to look at it now, we can. Yeah. No, I, I kind of don't. I'm All tired. Right. <laughs> anyway, so unless, Randall, do you want to add anything? Because I'm, I'm all talked out. <clears throat> well, I can't. Um, I'll just. <laughs> well, you look good I'll that way. I'll just do my freeze frame here and uh, <laughs> don't know what's going on That's with funny. my camera. But yeah, it's not only do we have a society that is just, uh, you know, giving a pass on witchcraft and wizardry, as you gave that testimony from that Christian witch, uh, that's not an isolated thing. I mean, it's a huge thing, and yeah. it's not that much different from the progressive churches that we started off this broadcast with. Anyway, well, the Bible isn't the Word of God. Yeah, some parts of it are, whatever. But it's, you know, it's really a book of why and how to live our best life now, basically. Um, and, you know, we kind of pick and choose some things. You know, some of it is the Word of God. Yeah, and we'll take that. But we need to look at some other, quote, modern, unquote, stuff. And we see that, whether it's Chris Lom, whether it's... Uh, Christian witches, uh, it's it's a growing thing where, you know, every, not everybody, but most people are making a god in their own image. One that they pick and, you know, cherry pick, I like this, take a little bit of this, don't like that, get this, take that, yeah, now I've got a god that suits me, and nothing new under the sun, that's called idolatry, is, is picking a god that fits us, you know, that uh, that's made in our image and we feel comfortable with. Not not the God of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, who is king of the universe, who can place demands upon his creation, including how to enter into eternal life. You know, he makes the rules. Uh, he's the creator. Uh, you have... There's something called copyright in this world, and the laws are different in different countries, but the idea is the same, that if you create something, then you have control over it. You own that intellectual property. Um, how much more the creator of the universe, he created it, he, he has jurisdiction over it, he has, he has control over it, and says you know, how it's to run and what's to be done with it. And um, and that bothers a lot of people. Yeah. They will not bow the knee or have God to rule over them. They would rather be the captain of their own destiny and and create a God in their image so they can feel spiritual. <laughs> a spiritual person. Uh, because I believe this and some of that and some of that and the other thing and stir them up and so I can feel good about myself when at the end of the day I'm just worshiping myself because <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do and what's comfortable for me and I'll wrap it up in this wrapping of spiritual and uh, make me feel better about it. Yeah. Well... <clears throat> Ultimately, one of the things I think that we just have to say, and I say this 
with as much love as I can because, you know, I'm not perfect. But Christianity is about Jesus Christ. And if you have a religion with no Jesus Christ from the Bible in it, then you can know that it's not of God, basically. Because being a follower of Jesus means being his disciple, which means that you act like him and you are like him and you do what he says. And that's not always easy, okay? I'm just saying, God, you know, his, he tells us stuff like love your enemies, you know, bless those who persecute you and spitefully use you, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow me, you know, hard stuff, you know, not the, the stuff of a lot of the churches today where they just want to make you feel good. Right. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you, if you did not watch my show last night with Elizabeth Ritchie, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She's the pastor's wife of Gary Ritchie, who is the pastor over at um, Round Lake Christian Church up there. And um, I think it's Round Lake Christian Church um, up in uh, Illinois. And um, I I started watching her, uh, the sermons there because that's where Pam goes to church and she keeps sharing it on her Facebook. So I thought, ah, I'll check it out. And I'll tell you what, that church is doing some really cool stuff. And Elizabeth is the one that started the God time together thing that I've been talking about. The, the reading your Bible with people, other believers. Um, if you don't think the dark side does similar stuff, they do just so you know. Have you ever been involved in a cult? That's all they do. You know, I mean, they indoctrinate their people in their worldview. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us when we read the Word of God. And when we're reading it together, we get even more because we see where, what other people are getting. Anyway, Elizabeth um, came up with that idea. She implemented it. And, um, you know, it's gone to all over America and probably parts of the other world too, you know, parts we don't even know people are involved in doing that. So go and listen to that interview I did last night. I pre-taped it cause I knew I wasn't going to be able to do a show last night. Um, and get encouraged because she shares some pretty encouraging stuff in there. God is on the move. He is doing stuff, but the media is not going to let you know that just so you know, that's why I'm here. You know, as few of you that see this show, <laughs> I want you to know God is not dead. He is surely alive and he's doing great stuff. There is a revival going on in the remnant at least. And, you know, people are getting saved. They're getting baptized. They're becoming more committed to the word of God and reading his word and studying his word. And, and they, they are growing spiritually. And so I got to just throw this out. I got a couple of opportunities for you. Um, I'm teaching a Bible study in the book of Revelation on Tuesday night, every other week. You're welcome to come to it if you feel like it. I'm also teaching a brand new Bible study on Psalm 37. Um, that's on Thursday night. Uh, and I just started it. So you're welcome to come to that too. That's two you can come to with me. Uh, my friend Pam Gillespie is doing a study on Psalm 119. She's already got that book up. Um, if you want to get like deep into the word and learn about the word of God, Psalm 119 is a great place to start. You can get her book, go over to pamgillespie.com and just jump in the study. She's doing all these videos and, um, you can go at your own pace 
and she even is doing Zoom classes to talk about it later so you can get involved in that. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm involved in that too. And I'm like, I don't have time for all this, but I'm making time because it's a priority, right? And you have to make God a priority because if you don't, you're never going to get what you really need in this life. And this isn't, this is not as good as it gets. You know, yesterday I read from Ecclesiastes chapter seven. I'm not going to go look it up and read it to you right now. But if you get time right after the show goes off, go open your Bible up, read Ecclesiastes chapter seven, at least the first half of it. Read what it says and then consider what you're doing and, and press hard now into God, because you know what? Time is short. I believe the time for, for, is short and, um, whether or not the rapture happens in our lifetime or not, people need the Lord. If you don't think people are looking for spiritual stuff, look at witchcraft. It's all over the place. We have an opportunity to tell them the truth, you know, despite what some pastors are saying about God's word in the Bible, if you actually study the Bible and you understand it, then go out there and share it with people so that they get a hunger and a thirst for it. And then you disciple them. That's what Jesus told us to do is make disciples. You make disciples and then you got more people who are confident and they go out and they share the gospel and they make disciples. And pretty soon the Satan's like losing people left and right because God's people are doing the right thing. So that's what I want to tell you. Um, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> Sorry, we went a little bit long, uh, but hopefully you enjoyed the show. I love feedback on the show. If you don't mind dropping me an email or send me a text or something, somehow contact me, give me some feedback on it, how we can make this better. Uh, let me know. Um, I would really appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to launch a brand new website at biblenewsradio.com soon. And I'm going to be putting a whole bunch of new stuff over there. Um, and just really want your feedback, uh, for that. So check that out. <clears throat> and as I always say, people be bold, stand up, go with God. Cause he loves you. He really does. Um, and we'll see you. We'll see you soon.